0: You're listening to the Harvest Christian Fellowship Weekend Message Podcast. To learn more about our community, like what we believe, and how you can take a next step, visit us online at hcfcornwall.ca or join us for one of our services this weekend, Sunday mornings at nine fifteen or 11, here at 847 York Street.
1: Other people out there, let me hear you. Good morning. There you are. Thank you so much. It's great. We, uh, as pastors, it's so fun to say, "Yeah, we have two pack services." People online, yeah, pack to thirty percent capacity, what we're allowed to have. I can't wait till we can pack, pack the seats. Wouldn't that be great? I, I, I don't know about you, but watching um, like old sporting events or old uh, TV audience uh, shows, where you see people shoulder to shoulder, and I wondered. Will we ever sit that close to other people again? Breathing, breathing, toxicity into our lungs. Or whatever. I don't know. I think we will. It'll be great. Uh, we're looking forward to Easter, as you just saw the teaser, and uh, we have three services on Easter, as well as a Good Friday service, and uh, we're leading up with this theme, "Amazing Grace," and we're just believing God for uh, many that will come to one of the three services on Easter Sunday morning. To find Jesus for the first time, we want to encourage you to sign up somebody that you're inviting and bringing to church on Easter Sunday. Well, this is Amazing Grace, part three. I want to talk to you this morning about amazing, transforming grace. Amazing, transforming grace. Here's our verse. We've been looking at it for the last number of uh, weeks. And God will supply, say will. Yeah, you will. God will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Father, I thank you today, Lord, as we uh, come to the word. Lord, thank you that you're always faithful to feed us. You're faithful to strengthen us. Lord, you're faithful to encourage us and uh, help us to understand a little bit more your intention, Lord, for transforming grace. In Jesus' name I pray and everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, God's supply, uh, the favor of God that pours into our lives every day, and really what we're talking about is the grace of God that pours into our lives. And certainly as I started this series talking about our needs and anywhere where we have lack, the first place we typically locate lack is in the area of uh, material needs or maybe a lack of healing in our body. So God will supply healing in our body, something that might be going on in a relationship. There's a lack there, and God will supply that and definitely includes that. This morning, I want to kind of begin moving into this understanding that grace supplies all my needs, uh, anywhere that I lack. Grace is that God quotient that comes in, God's strength, God's ability, that God power that's uh, not, unless I'm, um, uh, you know, I need him, my relationship with him to have access uh, to that. You know, think for a moment this morning about unforgiveness, we have an area where we know that we should forgive, and that's a lack in my life because I don't feel like I have that capacity, and, and really you don't have that capacity in and of ourselves. Forgiveness is a God thing, and God comes into our life, and he makes up that lack where I'm lacking in forgiveness, and he gives me the capacity and the ability to forgive. Maybe we're working on an area of our life, and we find ourselves getting angry, and we have a, what we say is an anger issue or anger problem, that's a lack, and God wants to supply meekness and a new kind of strength in our lives. So uh, we want to kind of begin moving into this direction that grace is not just our material needs, our obvious needs, but transformational grace, amazing grace, amazing transformational, transformational grace. Last week I showed you why we depend on ourselves, and there are two ways that people approach God, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you weren't here last week or if you're online today and you didn't get that, I encourage you to go back and kind of get the full, uh, because we're building on this week uh, week to week. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, do good, get good, do bad, get bad. And Satan appealed to humanity's quest for godliness to be like God, but provided a different way. The way that God said only brings death. The tree of life. Having life in God, having life with a relationship with God was the other tree. And one brings life and one brings death. God formalized with Moses what was good and what was bad and what we call the law, the Mosaic law, the Ten Commandments. God formalized that. It was a law that no human being could ever keep. Though for centuries men have been trying, women have been trying, we cannot keep that law because it's God's law. It represents God's holiness, God's perfection. There was one man, his name was Jesus, who was God, who came to earth as a, as a man, as a human. We'll look at that in weeks to come. Uh, we need to see the humanity of Jesus, because if Jesus overcame in this life uh, as God, well, that's not so hard. <laughs> that's, not, that's not so hard. I'm not God. If he was God, it's not so hard. But he did it as a man, and he sympathizes with our humanity. We'll talk about that in some uh, uh, perhaps next week and continue to unfold some of these thoughts. But one man, Jesus, did keep the law, and he died for us. He didn't deserve death. He died in our place. He took our sin and gave us his righteousness, which, by the way, is a good deal. Say good deal. The good deal is good news, that uh, Jesus took our sin, gave us his righteousness. It's a free gift of salvation. The Scriptures say it this way in Ephesians. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so no one can boast about it. So we're living in the tree of life. As we come as Christ followers, last week, this distinction, we've come to the tree of life. We tend (laughs) to go back to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and we tend sometimes to go back there and try to earn salvation or earn grace. And we saw last week that we do that by doing more we try to get God's approval, we focus on changing outward behavior, and we, we obey God out of duty because the alternative, our thought is, is punishment. I don't want to be punished by God, and so I'll just, whatever it takes, I'll, ha- I'll do it if I have to. And that's a horrible existence uh, with God. Galatians 5.4 says, for if you're trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have fallen away from God's grace. You have fallen away from God's grace. Now, That is not suggesting that if we do that, that we lose our salvation, that we're not going to heaven, uh, that we're not in relationship with Jesus any longer, falling from grace. That's not what that means. It means you've disconnected yourself from grace. As we've been doing this series, we began by saying, okay, if God will supply, why is it there's a disconnect at times in my life, and I I feel like I've received grace in vain, literally that verse is empty-handed. And Paul said, don't receive it empty-handed. And we began this whole series by seeing grace is a gift. You receive it. Say receive. Say it again. We receive it. We receive it. But we want to work for it. There's this human tendency. And so we can frustrate grace, a verse that we looked at, or we can fall from grace, move ourselves out of the flow of grace, and we don't want to do those things. We want to learn to live in grace. This morning, learn to live in transformational grace. Amazing grace. So I'm going to look at a couple of scriptures, a couple of verses today from Romans chapter 6 and Romans chapter 7. It says in Romans 6.14, For sin shall not have dominion over you. You are not under law, but you're under grace. You'll, the law for a Christ follower uh, will not, sin shall not have dominion or authority. This is actually a legal word. It's a contractually when we're born. Another verse in Galatians, Jesus was born as a man, uh, as we're born humans, under the law. And we're born under the law. We're born in sin and under the law. He was born not in sin, but under the law. And so the law tells us we are sinners. The law actually has a legal hold on us because of our sin. You're not, uh, But as a Christ follower, you're not under law, but you're under grace. Now, this verse gets kicked around a lot, and I want to talk about this this morning, where it's really important for us to understand transformational grace. And so people will talk about behavior, and and people that, uh, and and we talked about Christianity. Some branches of Christianity have a branding problem, and uh, as legalistic people, treat the knowledge of good and evil kind of approach, and kind of really talk about, well, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't do, and they have a list, and if you've been serving God for any length of time, you should have victory over. And they list the list, and really, it's a kind of coming up to a bar, a religious bar, as we looked last week. This measurement, kind of a religious measurement. I'll I'll, I'll measure my religion against your religion, and I feel better about myself because I might be more measurable than you. And this idea of of kind of rules and regulations, and and rightfully so, we push that away. And we say, no, we want to understand grace. And Paul was teaching this in that in, in Romans to the Roman church. And we're not under the law, we're under grace. But that get that get that phrase gets kicked around a lot today. And a lot of times it's not a full understanding of what this verse means, which is what we're gonna look at, transformational grace today. What it really means is I don't want rules and regulations. I want everybody to know that I'm accepted by Jesus, and I'm forgiven. I'm accepted, and I'm forgiven. In fact, Paul goes on to say um, that this idea, are you accepted by Jesus? Yes. Are are your sins forgiven? Yes. Uh, Do we just live any way we want to then? Do we just keep the loop of acceptance and forgiveness going? In other words, uh, it doesn't really matter how I live now. I'm a Christian. It doesn't matter if my life changes at all or, or I become a disciple of Jesus. It just matters that I'm accepted by Jesus and I'm forgiven. And there's no growth. Is that okay? Can I, can I kind of just do that? Is that a misuse of grace? And so the legalists in Paul's day are going, but they're not changing. They're doing bad things, Paul. And that's, that's not right. And Paul answers that by saying this. Um, he goes on in the next, uh, he goes on in the verse, and he, and he says this. Well, then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can just go on sinning? Does that mean we can just do whatever we want? And he says, of course not. Say, of course not. So. Today we kind of have this great divide, which I don't want there to be a divide at Harvest. I want us to understand this. We are a grace church. When we say it that way, we're not, we're not going to be legalistic. A lot of people say, uh, well, ask me, uh, so are you against this, Pastor? What's your stand on that? What should the church be saying about this? And they want to know what we're against. And I say, I don't preach what we're against. I preach what we're for. We're for Jesus. We're for his transformational grace. We're for his love. We're for his acceptance. We're for his compassion and his mercy. We're for that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're for the things that God is for. And we're not going to enter into that kind of judgmental, kind of more legalistic approach. And so we we say we understand grace and we want to preach grace. But does that mean that anything goes? (laughs) Of course not. Does that mean that we don't expect people's life to change? We expect that, but we expect that it will happen by grace. Now, let me explain transformational grace. I'm not under law. I'm under grace. And so there are people that are proclaiming that and saying, because rightfully, as I said, pushing legalism aside, That every time I sin, I don't I don't lose my salvation. Every time I get it wrong doesn't mean that God's angry at me. But if you serve in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it sure will feel that way. So then in the tree of life, in a life-giving relationship with God, when I do get it wrong, does God forgive me and accept me? Yes, every single time. But you need to be clear, that's not grace. Acceptance and forgiveness are God accepting me. And God forgiving me is not grace. I need to let that settle in because then you go, what do you mean that's not grace? That's a manifestation of grace. That is a manifestation that God has given me grace, and I know that he's accepted me, and I know that he has forgiven me. But that's not the totality of what grace is. And the mistake is, that's grace. I'm accepted. I'm forgiven. I get to go on with my life and not feel bad. Well, God doesn't want you to feel bad, but he wants you to experience transformational grace that will change you, that will change me. And the way that change happens is by understanding what we're looking at this morning. No, I'm not under the power of the law, but the law still is in existence, and I relate to it. How do I relate to it as a new covenant Christ follower? We're going to look at that in a moment. So. Ezekiel chapter 36 says this, I will give you the promise, the promise of the day we live in. I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I'll remove the stone heart from your body and replace it with a heart that's God-willed, not self-willed. I'll put my spirit in you and I will make it possible for you to do what I tell you and live by my commandments. You make that a possibility with a new heart. You'll once again live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my God. You will be my people, and I'll be your God. The promise of this Ezekiel passage is that we would be given a new heart. Say, new heart. Bible says that we are new creations. That when I'm born again, the old has passed away. All things have become new. I've I've literally been given a new heart. This place where I commune with the Lord. I have capacity to be spiritual, and God is God is a spirit. And my spirit and God's spirit communing in the place we call the heart. And I've been given a new heart. We're talking this morning about transformational grace and breaking the cycle of acceptance, forgiveness, acceptance, forgiveness, but never moving on. Because the law still has a voice, as we're going to see, it's inevitable that people who get frustrated with that cycle will become legalistic because at least they can measure that and see, see what they think is change, which is no change at all. Or somebody who just lives in the cycle of, hey, I'm accepted, I'm forgiven, I don't have to change, actually cheats the message of the good news of the gospel because the essence is right here in Ezekiel. I want to give you a brand new heart. I want to give you a heart that wills to will what God wants, to walk in the blessings of the, of the promised land, which we realize isn't a geographical place. It's a place that I live in the blessing of God each and every day, all of the promises of God that grace does supply. And I'm not empty-handed wondering where's the grace in my life But I actually get a hold of it, and I begin to see the change happen in my life. How does that take place? Well, first of all, understanding you have a new heart. People will talk about you need to change. (laughs) You're a Christian now. You need to change. No, you don't need to change, and I'll tell you why. Change is I need to become someone I believe I am not. This person that I'm per- apparently going to grow into, people will talk about. Well, you're, you know, you're righteous positionally in the Lord. You just kind of have to grow into it. Well, that's not entirely accurate. I am righteous. I've been given the righteousness of Christ. He took my sin, gave me His righteousness, and He gave me a brand new heart. I'm not changing. I'm not becoming someone that I I don't believe I am yet. And maybe one day I'll be that. No, listen. We're talking about a new heart. God wants to transform you. There's a big difference. Say transform. Transformation is I am becoming someone I believe I already am. I'm becoming someone I believe I already am. God has told me this is who I am. We sang about it this morning. I know who, uh, who you say I am. I am chosen, I am forgiven, and we begin to live not in the paradigm of the old heart and the old thinking, but we live in the new heart that's already changed, and I'm being transformed into what I already am. There's a big difference. Living in grace brings that transformation. And in order to kind of complete the deal here, we need to understand our relationship then to the law. I'm I'm not under the law, I'm under grace. What does that mean? I just get to do what I want? Paul said, no, of course not. Then what does it mean? Because am I still legally bound then, you know, to some code of ethics or some morality that I'm going to measure myself against? No. But what we're going to see is that we do relate uh, to the law. The law is still alive. And the way Paul explains this is he says it's just like chapter 7 now. We're going to come into the first few uh, verses of chapter 7, and I'm just going to talk them, talk them through with you. Paul says that when we are born into this world, we're born under the law, and it's a legally binding contract. You 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 are just subject to that universal spiritual law, that we're under a law that tells us we are sinners, we're separated from God, and there is no way, there is no way that you can... Uh, deal with that separation. You can go as many times as you want to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and do good stuff. It will not close the gap. We're separated from God. Only Jesus could do that. And so we're born under the law. In the same way, he said, when two people are married, it is contractual. They are married. It is It is. It is under, it, it is a law, a, a contractually binding agreement between two people they are married. He said, being married to the law is like a woman who's married to a man who tells her where all her shortcomings are. Just tells her all the time. If I could have the team come and join me on the platform. Tells her all of her shortcomings. What's the matter with you? Why can't you get the house clean? I left you here all day. I go to work all day. I come home and the house is messy. Look at look at the disaster of this house. You couldn't you you had you had eight hours today and you couldn't clean the house. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll try harder tomorrow. I'm sure that I can get the house clean tomorrow. Look at the kids. The kids are just running amok. They're doing everything in the house. What's the matter with you? Hey, I worked all day. I come home at 6 o'clock, and it's 6.05, and supper isn't ready. Why isn't supper ready? And the law is the voice that shines a light on my shortcomings, on your shortcomings. You're a liar. You're a thief. You're a cheat. You're whatever. And you're like, Yes, but I don't know what to do about that. And the law is the voice that we're legally bound to, just like this wife who's married. And it's almost abusive. In fact, it is abusive because the law has no power to change it. The law just keeps telling you over and over your shortcomings, over and over how you don't make the, the, the grade, over and over. And this woman becomes berated and berated and, and it feels so little and so like, what am I supposed to do? I don't, I've tried so hard. I don't know what to do. She could decide to go next door and live with the man who's very nice and kind of cute. And treats her really nice. And when she goes out to put the garbage out, because she's supposed to do that every week, and her husband will yell at her. She doesn't get it there on time. She doesn't get the garbage out exactly the right right way, the right time. He yells at her, you got to make sure those cans are exactly the way they should be. But the guy next door is kind of cute. And he talks to her really nicely. So she could deal with the abusive husband by going to living next door. And Paul says, you can't do that, (laughs) obviously. And he's using this analogy to say, the law, you, there's, there is a way to separate yourself from the law. But it's not to decide, I just don't want to live with the law anymore. I'm going next door to live with someone who's really nice. And there are people that are preaching and teaching that as a New Testament believer, the Old Testament law has nothing to do with you, which isn't entirely correct. Because what they're saying is, I'm just not going to live with the law. I'm going to silence its voice. Good luck with that, by the way. Because I don't know about you, but I hear the law and the judge of my own heart every single day. The law is alive. Say alive. Alive. Jesus said, he said, don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish or kill the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. But Jesus said, the law is actually not bad. But the law is powerless to change. But he's saying, I can change you. The law could never, but I can. That standard is still God's standard. We'll never never be able to fulfill that perfectly, but Jesus did. And his grace in me can bring transformation. That lady in our story, in our analogy that Paul uses in in, in Romans chapter 7, can't go next door. She can't go and kill her husband put a pillow over his head and go, I hate you! And kill him. You can't kill the law. Jesus didn't come to kill the law. You can't kill the law. The the law's not dead, but I can die. And Paul said, water baptism is that symbol that we enter into by faith, that we say, Jesus died, I died with him. My sins went into the grave with him. I came out of the, uh, you know, out of the water, water baptism, I come up out of the water in newness of life. And Paul says, just like that, You died and you were given a new heart. Say new heart. Not an old heart that needs renovation. A new heart, a spiritual heart that you're learning how to be in relationship with Jesus. I'm talking about transformational grace today. The law's voice still speaks, but it doesn't have power over me anymore. It's not dead. It's still alive. I become a Christ follower. Let's go back to our analogy with the lady... She's now come to harvest and found out that Jesus loves her, and uh, she's so excited. She got she went to step one, and you know she's in a small group, and, and and it's just so wonderful being a Christ follower. Everything's so new and fresh and awesome, and feels so loved and accepted. And this is amazing. And I want you to just go fall into the analogy now with me. Jesus, she does her t- time in the morning, and Jesus goes off to work. Husband goes off to work. Off to work, and she's. Going worship music that day, and thinking about how she would just oh, I just love Jesus so very, very much. I would, I want to cook him a great meal tonight. I just want to cook him a great meal. I'm gonna have candles and, and, and I'm gonna have this dinner set. And I just oh, Jesus, I just love you so much. I can't wait. I can't wait till I, I see you again. And so she begins cleaning the house and getting all those things done because she just so wants to love on him and just make this great place where they can be together. As the clock is ticking later in the afternoon she realizes that supper's going to be tight and she's mixing and she's she's, she's got you know the supper's in the oven and she's you know micro uh, not not she's juggling all these all these multitasking and she's doing all these things, and, and that's getting, she's looking, she's getting stressed out. Oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. I'm trying so hard. Oh, my goodness, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make this. And and, and, uh, and as she's scurrying you now, mixing here, oven there, wiping her brow, looking at herself in the mirror. I look like a disaster. Oh, my goodness, this is not the way I thought it was going to be. Oh, my goodness, she's going to be home any minute. She's going to be home any minute. She can hear his car come up. Oh, oh, and she's nervous. And, and she turns quickly and knocks one of the bowls off the counter. It hits the ground. shush. It smashes on the on the ceramic floors. Here's, I mean, there is just stuff all over the floor. What a mess. Just, oh, my goodness. I wanted it to be perfect. I didn't want it to be this way. This is not what I was expecting. And so she's down on her hands and knees, and she's trying to clean it up. She's trying to clean it up. And Jesus comes in the door. I'm talking about transformational grace this morning. Jesus comes in the door, and he sees all of what she's done. He sees the love of her heart. He sees all of the preparations that were done in love. Not out of trying to earn something, but out of love. But in the course of events, in her life she made a mess. Jesus doesn't say a word. Not a word. But he puts his apron on. He takes it out of the closet. He puts his apron on. And he gets down on his knees beside her. He says, sweetheart, it's okay. It's okay. I do love you. And I accept you. Listen now transformational grace let's clean up this mess together and he doesn't leave her to clean it up while he sits and watches that's what the law the old husband did jesus comes and he says we've got this we've got this and her security begins to grow in this love relationship her confidence begins to grow in this new husband i know guys it's hard for us to think about being married to jesus but in this new i'm not under I'm under grace what does that mean Does it mean I just keep making a mess in my life? No. It means that in the course of those messes, he's helping clean them up and his provision into my life. Jesus in the apron is saying, we're doing this together. That, beloved ones, is transformational grace. Does the law still speak? It does, but I'm not under its power. I'm not married to that anymore. I am now married to the one who pours his grace, acceptance, forgiveness, and manifestation, but now changing my life out of the relationship of literally being down with me in life's messes and saying, come on, we're going to get through this. I would like to ask this morning if there's anyone either online or in the room. You would realize, like most of us would realize, and most of us in this room already have realized, that my life was a mess, and I can't quite clean it up. No matter how hard I've tried to clean it up, it doesn't clean up. And I want to tell you this morning, there's one, his name is Jesus, who died on a cross to accept you and love you and come into your life in a way to give you a brand new heart and a new way to live, a brand new way to live out of a new relationship with him. Yes, to forgive you. Yes, to accept you. And yes, to put you on a course of a transformational journey that can take the most broken of people and put them back together again transforming them in grace. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus into your life, you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and begin this remarkable journey that I'm talking about today, I'd like to pray a prayer with you. It would be an honor and a privilege to lead you in a prayer to invite Jesus into your heart. I'm going to count down from three. I'll just simply go three, two, and one. If that's you today, if you're online, say, include me. If you're here today and that's you, I want you to, when I count down, raise your hand today, and I'll acknowledge it. It's just your way of saying, include me in a prayer. I want to invite Jesus into my life. Ready? That's you. Three, you might be saying, this couldn't possibly be me. It's you this morning. He loves you so very much. Two and one. If that's you, would you just raise your hand this morning? Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else this morning? Anyone online? Just type it in. Include me in the prayer. Let's all pray this prayer together. A prayer of invitation. A prayer that changes everything. A prayer that brings the new heart and gets rid of the old one. Come on, let's pray together. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. I invite that love into my life right now. Exchange my heart. Give me the new heart that I heard about today a clean heart, a forgiven heart, a heart that will be in relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, God bless you. We believe that you have a brand new heart, that you're born again. The rest of us in the room, just before Christina prays with us for so many needs that have been uh, texted in, and uh, if we don't actually name or, or, or state the need, just know that our prayer team is doing that during the week. And uh, and we just want to keep praying all all week long here on Sunday as well. But if you're in the room today and you're just reminded that God can transform you with a new heart and you're tired of change and you want some transformation, just slip your your hand up right now and say, I want a fresh wind. I want a fresh grace of God. Can I just see your hands right now? Yeah, just wave them at me. Lord, I thank you. That these are days, oh God, that we want a fresh wind of transformational grace in Jesus' name. Hey, listen, that's why the week after Easter, we're starting a new series called Churches That Heal. It's a very succinct curriculum. It's a curriculum that we're going to be doing on Sundays. I would like all of us to sign up for the small group component that takes Sunday's message and really talks about it. We're going to talk about how grace works in our lives, how we can be less judgmental with people. How do we deal with people that are struggling with mental health and so trapped in that? And maybe it's affected their behavior, and how they behave and how they act. How can we, like Jesus, embrace a broken world and be a church that heals? Not just physical healing. I'm talking about emotional healing that allows people to belong to harvest before they believe. We're going to take six weeks after Easter to do that. I want to invite you. Just We're going to be a church that heals. We're going to be a church that just pours grace out. But we can't pour out what we don't have. And that's why we're doing this series, Leading Up, so we have lots of it so we can pour it out. God bless you. Have an amazing week.
0: What an awesome morning. You know, we have some prayer requests we're going to pray for and you know there's nothing more than when we're weak that the devil wants to seek out and destroy and you know that we have people in our very own community that are struggling with suicidal attempts and just mental health attempts and you know the enemy is attacking but God is the ultimate physician and he is stronger than the devil so we're just putting the devil on watch this morning Satan you have no place you have no space And we're just standing this morning. We're standing with people that are grieving loss of loved ones. You know, grief is real. And we just want to cover those people. Um, Healing for arthritic pain and muscle tear in the ribs and trouble breathing. We're praying for people, for appointments to open up for those believing in appointments. And Elorazar and Natar, I see you on this morning. And we're praying because it is God's will for you to be here, not only in Cornwall, but to be here at Harvest. And we're praying for the borders to open up so they can be here. We're also praying for little baby Rory this morning, 27 weeks today. And mama got to hold her yesterday, and she's here with us this morning. We're just praying, you know, just exponential growth for that baby. That the doctors will say, I don't know what's going on. We know what's going on. Jesus is going on. And so let's pray this morning. Father. We're praying this morning, God, for so many things, God, for mental health, God, for, for attempts of at suicide, God. That's not your will. Satan, we're putting you on watch this morning. We're putting you on notice. You have no place over minds, over bodies, over thoughts. We break it off this morning and we rebuke you, Satan. You have no space that we're praying for those that have lost loved ones God for grieving God that they will find their comfort in you Jesus that they will cling to you Jesus this morning they will say God I need you more than never before God I just pray for those for these this this person's believing for for healing in their body this arthritic pain for God I'm praying for appointments to open up for those waiting God that you will open the doors God because you are the ultimate physician God you can do anything God, we're praying for Elraza and Attar. God, I'm praying even right now that you are working on their behalf, God. It is your will for them to be here, God. It is your will, God, that they will be with us. And God, I'm praying for exponential speed. God, that you will just speed up the process so they can be here. God, even by this summer, we will see their faces. Father, we're praying for... um, for baby Rory this morning, God. God, I just pray that you will just put growth into this little baby, God. That you will give grace to the family because, God, there's nothing worse than a mama and her baby being separated. But, God, this morning, all things are possible with you. God, you are the mighty physician. You are the mighty healer. You are the mighty. you, uh, You can make anything happen. And, God, we're praying this morning, Father, that you will just breathe and breathe and breathe your breath into this baby. We thank you, God. We thank you this morning for who you are and what you do in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are a believing church. We are a trusting church. We we are a praying church, and we want to stand and believe with you. If you're believing for anything, it can be in your body, it can be in your finances, it can be in your marriage. We want to stand with you. So make sure you leave an email, a text, or a voicemail request at the church, and we'll stand with you. Um, Register. Remember, you have to register for in-person, for our, for our in-person services here in the auditorium. So if you could go to hcfcormel.ca slash register, um, they do fill up quickly. We want to give you some save the dates, and it's exciting. You know, I love Easter because it's a sign of spring. It's a sign of new beginnings, and it's a sign of new life. And, you know, that is right around the corner. So make sure you save the date. Good Friday. We're having an 11 o'clock service in-house and online, so that is open for registration now. And on Easter Sunday, we are having three services, and we're going to jam-pack all three of those services. And we're going to see miracles, and we're going to see people getting saved, and we're going to see people getting healed, because we're going to bring our faith, right? and online and at 12 o'clock we'll have it in person only so register and get your place there because we want to see your faces here on easter it's going to be incredible uh well harvest this is the end of our service in in in-house and online uh we just so appreciate you guys always showing up uh we feel you know you just keep supporting and you keep supporting and we love you all and can't wait to see you back here next week god bless you